0: It's some price for Tuesday, September nineteenth, twenty twenty-three. Coming in from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver. If you're out by the airport, and need a place to stay, we suggest the Westin Wall Center YVR. Some rest and relaxation in those plush. Heavenly beds. Matt Sakaris alongside Blake Price, Trevor Martin's hidden switches, conducting things in this show. A presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, where right now Applewood celebrating their 25th anniversary with great new deals on new Nissan Leafs and Rogues. You can get the Infinity QX50 or QX60 lease from 3.99 percent, and of course. There's no-charge maintenance packages with purchase and a chance to win $25,000. See dealer for details because, Blake, it is all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. Do you trust Rutherford slash Alvin's cap management? Yes or no? You can vote at Some Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog line of the day. The Canucks over-under for points this season set at 885 they were 83 points last year so mm. bodog expecting a 5.5 points improvement somewhere in there i'll bite and bet the over but problem is just over is probably shy of the playoffs still so they got to get way over to get to the stanley five cup five points would be best on your bodog line of the day yeah yeah cuz are you making the points minus 90 points in the west no, no. I, I would you, think so. You need to get in the mid-90s. Even on the I bad
1: years, it's 92. Usually, it's 94 to 95.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, uh, we're asking the poll question today. Rick Dollywall's report yesterday that they are aggressively pursuing a trade to shed salary prior to training camp and, of course, prior to the preseason and the opening night roster getting set for that home opener, season opener on October 11th at Rogers Arena against the Edmonton Oilers. Here's what Cap Friendly had to say. Vancouver officially activated Tanner Pearson off IR slash LTIR yesterday. This is significant because it means that he is no longer considered an LTI candidate and tentatively leaves the club 1.7 and change over the cap, even if they place Pullman on LTIR. The Canucks could still start the season cap compliant, but it would likely result in a roster with only 20 or 21 players, of course, the maximum uh, allowable is 23. So the notion of starting the opening, uh, the starting the season, playing a few or a couple of roster spots short, not desirable, needless to say, and so. If we believe Dolly Wall, here they are trying to shop and move out salary for a second straight preseason. You may remember they made the Jason Dickinson deal last year. From a position of weakness. From a position of weakness, yeah. costing them a second round pick. And, of course, having to take on Riley Stillman, who was a colossal bust here, couldn't play. Uh They've got a little more wiggle room this year. They've they've got the ability to park money in
1: the minors. They can go with a smaller roster on opening night. Not a smaller lineup, don't worry. They're not going to be dressing for, for defensemen. No. Just a smaller roster to get them cap compliant. So they have outs, but they would just as soon, I think, have the full roster of 23 up for opening night. Right. And be able to, and not have to send guys through waivers and all that sort of stuff. So um, this would make their job easier. The question is, who makes a big enough dent via a trade uh, and that has some value on the open market. And, uh, you know, I I think the Myers-Bovillier-Garland trio are the only ones that really fit the bill. I suppose you could throw Besser into that mix, but I don't know that there's enough uh, demand for his services at his price that that's worthwhile.
0: Yeah, uh, Pearson, I think, is someone you would have to, pay a sweetener to get rid of significant and, yeah yeah and pearson at his uh, 3.25 million dollar salary is, is one that may well have to be
1: well two months into the season if he's showing to be an nhl player again i, I think that becomes a possibility mm-hmm. but right now having not put put on the ice in a long time i, I just don't see how that's possible
0: yeah and look I, I voted no on the poll question uh this management group has not yet proven to me that they can manage the cap at an expert level uh y- you take a look at it they chose to extend JT Miller they chose to trade for Philip Ronick they chose to sign Ilya Mikheyev and then this summer Susie, Cole, Bluger, Pia Suter the irony here is Suter making 1. Uh, 1. 1.6 million that's roughly what they're over right now if they had moved money out before adding P.S. suitor you might not be in this position so we'll, we'll see what they can do here as we have talked about it is not a particularly easy time to make a trade or move money out a lot of teams will already say hey look we've got tough training camp decisions as it is we're not looking to add anybody because we feel we're good more often than not most teams uh Uh, like what they have. Now, Tyler Myers could be attractive to a low-revenue team because he's a big cap hit, but he's only going to cost you a million dollars from this point forward. Of course, that could well weaken the Vancouver Canucks because I think if you line it up right now, Tyler Myers is one of your six best defensemen, particularly on the right side. So we'll see what they can do here, but I think it's got to be a little discouraging for Vancouver Canucks fans. A year and a half out, a year and a half into this new management's tenure. And here we are for a second consecutive training camp, looking to make a deal from a position of weakness to move money out. You know, we felt like this cap mismanagement was left behind in the Jim Benning era. Alas, it persists through the Rutherford Alvin.
1: I'll I'll say this though. um, They did figure out the long-term contract problem. Um, Ilya Mikheyev and Carson Susi are the only non-core players signed beyond next season. You know, there's a lot of money available, a lot of freedom of space coming here in short order. So they haven't, all those deals that they struck, including the Pew Suter one that you, you mentioned, at least they've curbed the Long-term contract that becomes an albatross. We know what they had to do with OEL, and keep in mind too, all these cap issues are with the the free pass here on the OEL contract. Remember, he's basically off the cap this season at just one hundred forty-six thousand dollars. Comes back onto the cap next year at almost two point four. Um, so they were, you know, buying out OEL. Still didn't get them into a position no. where they well, can get... They, no, they, but that's got a because
0: they went and immediately spent the money. Yeah. Because they wanted Susie, to Suzy, Cole, yeah. Bluger, Suter. Yeah. So whatever you saved on OEL, you since recommitted. And I think that is part and parcel of the problem here is that...
1: But Jim Benny would have signed some of these guys to four-year deals. Well, you just know he
0: would have. Sure. No one's saying it's as bad as Benning. <laughs> <laughs> but what people are saying is some of the same threads continue, and that is that money burns a hole. A cap space burns a hole in their pocket. They're off spending it before they have accounted for the cap and how they have to set up their opening night roster. You have to believe. And I don't like think pushing pain down the road continues to be a theme with the Vancouver Canucks and Canucks Sports and Entertainment. You have to believe. And I'll choose the word carefully here
1: because I don't think they were hoping he couldn't play, but I think they were expecting that Tanner Pearson couldn't play this season.
0: Right. But they should have all the medical information. That's a miscalculation on their part. Yeah. If that's what went down and and I'm like you, I looked at it and went I bet they felt like Pearson was going to. Be an LTIR candidate.
1: And if he's an LTIR, they're cruising. But of course,
0: you know, there's two problems with that. You know, number one, it was a gamble and expectant and it didn't work out. At least not the way that they envisioned, if this is the case. But secondly, you knew you had a player who was pissed off. Pissed Mm -hmm. off at the medical treatment he got and was going to do everything in his power to get back and play. I mean, he talked months and months ago about how he just wanted to get his hand back and a chance to, you know, live a normal life. Yeah. But then he made progress and it became clear that, oh yeah, like he's got a chance to resume his NHL career here. So anyways, we'll see what they can do between now. And I guess it's not a can I explain on the second day of the NHL regular season, there are games on the, Tuesday the 10th. So I believe we're looking at setting a roster October 8th, October 9th there. But
1: you still have to be compliant for the opening
0: day of the NHL season. Yeah, yeah, that's the 10th. So you got the uh, 8th or the 9th where this comes to pass. Canucks releasing their broadcast information for season 23-24. And lo and behold, Ray Ferraro is... A part of it, he's going to work select regional games. Dave Tomlinson back in the chair as color analyst this time on the TV side with John Shorthouse. Absolutely thrilled and delighted for Dave. We sort of knew this was coming after he resigned his post with the Seattle Kraken after a couple of years. And of course, if you're uh, old enough to remember, once upon a time, Dave served as the Canucks radio color analyst alongside well, several play-by-play guys. So. Baller, Shorty. Baller, Shorty, and then... Probably uh, Kenward. John Abbott. Hmm. So, delighted for Dave. And uh, needless to say, Ray is the best color analyst in the business and looking forward to his work on the television side. For those who don't know, Ray continues to work nationally for ESPN. And ESPN and TSN uh, have some common ownership and overlap. And so... ESPN and TSN, we're not going to abide Ray being on national sports net games because that's a competitor, of course, to TSN up here on the Canada side of things. So it's going to be regional games for Ray, which means he'll be seen in the province of British Columbia and no further on those games. And because the ESPN schedule tends to pick up after Christmas, we anticipate it's going to be some of the earlier vancouver canucks regional games that yeah ray is a part of i'll be
1: interested to see how many it ends up being um he's certainly got a little more free time in this current role than he did under his former tsn cocktail of uh of responsibilities um but i, I like i wonder if it could be as little as few as five games as many as
0: 15 i, I don't know i'll be interested to see how it all pans out yeah and uh of course <coughs> As we talked with John Shannon, excuse me, on Friday, there are a number of games in the schedule over the course of the year that are quote-unquote floaters that are regionals that can be turned into nationals. Last year, Sportsnet decided to make a lot of those Edmonton Oilers games, nationals, and thus made available here in BC and across the country. And, of course, the reason why Connor McDavid and Leon we will see how much allure the Vancouver Canucks have in the eyes of programmers to be national games across the country this season. Training camp storylines. I'm I'm doing a welcome out on this here in a minute or two, Blake. But I'm interested in what you what you'll be watching here when the main group gets together at the Save On Food Center in Victoria later this week.
1: Well, I think it's impossible not to just wonder about attendance and who's going to be setting foot on the ice. So that leads you to Ilya Mikheyev. Um, and then ultimately, I I think it's the young players and what inroads that they're able to make. And that's from the group that came out of Penticton, the Hirose McDonough level of young player to the Hoaglander Colson level of player as well. And not only who makes the team, that's just the rearranging of the chairs, but who's actually good. Like who actually is ready to play like being best of a bunch is one thing, but being NHL ready and NHL contributing is another thing. And I I think, I think we're ready for one of these guys to step up and be a contributor, be a dependable player that we don't have to worry about on a night to night basis and wonder if he's going to be sent down to Abbotsford anymore. Seize the brass ring um, and even and, and this is not to to say that I'm frustrated with McDonough. He's just arrived, but he is older. We can heap a little bit more expectation on the NCAA kids than we do the kid coming out of Major Jr. They are expected to be further along. So I want to see a battle and I want to see NHL level of talent. So I, I I hope that one or two even do not disappoint in that regard.
0: BC Lions got out of Saturday's game pretty good injury-wise, which is a fantastic sign for them. And we've got, of course, we had the positivity
1: going into that game even that there's some guys around the corner that are nicked that, that won't be long on the shelf.
0: Uh, including wide receiver Dominic Rhymes, including Bo Lacombo. They mm-hmm. feared it was a really bad rib mm-hmm. injury, but it now sounds like Bo Lacombo has a much better chance of returning this year. Five games left for the Lions in the CFL regular season. They're off to Edmonton to play, well, it used to be guaranteed win night at Commonwealth Stadium, as you remember, but lo and behold, the Elks are 4-10 now, Blake. It's the Friday night football game for us, and that's a 6-30 start from the Alberta capital. We'll see later in the week who's available and who's unavailable for the Lions, but it could well be that they're adding starters this week and you know the last month or so it's been about okay, this guy's Nick. they're got a, a different starter there. Last week it was Josh Woods at linebacker mm-hmm. for Bolacumbo. So we'll see how everything shakes down. What we do know is that the Edmonton Club has certainly gotten better since the last time. Uh, although Edmonton uh, has some injuries of their own, including former BC Lion David Foucault on the offensive line who's got a bad back, so he did not practice yesterday. There may be a change for the Elks there, which would certainly help BC and its interior pass rush. Uh, still basking in the glow of the largest comeback in club history. Uh, I saw a friend Carolyn Cody of the Lions front office posted a photo of her hand and said, I got a blister from high-fiving everybody <laughs> on Saturday night. And later in the program, we'll have an old uh, familiar voice mm-hmm. from the BC Lions on the show, our friend Wally Buono, uh, asking what he felt of the comeback and also preview what they got coming up for the September 29th home game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And that is also the Orange Shirt Day game for the BC Lions. They'll be announcing plans uh, for that game here on Tuesday. We'll catch up with that later in the week. So the BC Lions in Edmonton, then back home here against Saskatchewan we had those two NFL Monday nighters last night and uh well I'm not sure uh I'm not sure either game was uh, most compelling particularly not the New Orleans Carolina game and just but there is a storyline sadness line. Yes. well just yeah. you know Nick Chubb and he's done for the season with a a, a knee injury and that's the second big knee injury of his career. You wonder why NFL teams have stopped playing, paying running backs. And, you know, here's exhibit a Pittsburgh with a very good win against a Cleveland team that played outstanding last week against Cincinnati, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. But listen to what the Steelers did defensively, six sacks, four force fumbles, three of them recovered an interception return for a TD, a fumble return for a TD The last NFL team to amass those stats on defense in a game was Cleveland. They did it against Pittsburgh, ironically, in a 51 to nothing victory on September 10th, 1989. So that's how far you have to go back to find a defensive performance that had that many sacks, that many fumbles, and of course, two different scores. Boy, when T.J. Watt is healthy, he is absolutely a game changer for that Pittsburgh club. I wasn't huge on them to start the season. I still wonder how they're going to maintain over the 17-game schedule. But needless to say, when Watt's in there and he had a scoop and score, they are a much different club. And that AFC North, I think, could be a lot of fun, although Joe Burrow now, Blake, with this calf problem, which persists. He was limping at the end of the game. They're 0-2. And I heard Ian Rappaport of NFL Network say he doesn't think that Burrow's going to be good to go. He's going to try, but it looks like Burrow is going to be compromised here unless he sits down for a week or two. So some interesting storylines and a lot of injury-related news, sadly, in the first couple weeks of the NFL season. Where are you
1: on broadcasts showing a look of an an injury like that one? Uh to me, it's a different so thing than, than, than seeing um, a guy suffering a cardiac event. Yes, um, I'm
0: fine with it. Like, I, I, yeah, like, I mean, it's part like, and parcel of what happens out there. And, you know, you as the audience, we as the audience should understand that, you know, we sit there and we indulge for entertainment purposes and watching these guys play a very violent sport and that it comes with a cost.
1: Yeah, I'm sort of of the mind that, like a leg injury like that, as gruesome as it can be, I don't know. I don't know if I mind just showing it once. Uh, The cardiac event is different because it's life and death at that point. Now, they did say they had to make sure it wasn't life and death for Dick Chubb last night because. Um there's been arterial, incidents yeah. arterial issues where you, <laughs> you can get to amputation or, and or even worse um so they did check him out of the hospital and he was okay but yeah it sort of just struck me cuz people were like oh don't show it and you know d- don't pass it around and like it's 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 uh, it's it's tough to look at but it's it's a knee injury like it, it's it's not like he was about to be beheaded i i, I think we can handle
0: it Blake to this day, the most famous clip in the history of Monday Night Football might be Lawrence Taylor breaking, snapping Joe Thaisen's yeah, leg. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that was before things were high def. <laughs> that was well, that, was and that was image before TV. social media, where it gets right.
0: shared the next day over and over again on yeah. personal accounts. I mean, so yeah, I, it's a very violent sport. Yeah. We should not forget that there's a toll on the athletes who play it now at this stage of the game, for the most part, they go in wide eyed knowing what they're signing up for. Mm -hmm. Not sure that was always the case, but at this stage of the game, I think everybody recognizes if you're going to play professional football, you are putting your legs in serious jeopardy. You will likely be walking with a limp before your peers, and you may well also be affecting your brain. And it's funny because now I watch clips from practice, and they're all wearing the big, yeah, oversized, uh, you know, cushions. spongy cushions for those line drills uh, because it's those tiny subconcussive blows on top of the huge hits, which we still see from time to time. Although the league is doing a better job of getting that helmet-to-helmet play out outlawed, uh, it's those subconcussive blows that the experts and the specialists who look at brain activity tell us is not particularly great. So, you know, that's what the players are signing up for. That's what we as the audience need to understand and recognize as we sit there and watch them do this for our our entertainment purposes. Speaking of entertainment, I sure hope we get some tomorrow night in Houston, the white caps against the dynamo. And as we talked about yesterday, The Whitecaps, because they have a game in hand or two, in the case of the Seattle Sounders, of the teams directly above them in MLS West, there's a world where they could be the number two seed when the playoffs get going. Now, big workload for the Caps here coming up. They win in Toronto on Saturday. They have this one in Houston before moving on to Real Salt Lake over the weekend
1: the two teams directly below them in the standings Houston and Salt Lake they've got a sitter versus Colorado to flip finish off this seven game roadie and that one you might be like oh let's put the three points on the board you'd you'd rather lose that one and win one of these to be quite honest
0: yeah because nobody's getting. Ga- I mean Colorado gains ground on you so who cares it. but you want to stop too yeah. and this is what I was going to ask you in terms of lineup and formation because Ideally, you let you want to be able to spare guys when you're playing the Wednesday Saturday, but you may just have to load up for these two games and then dress an inferior lineup against Colorado. Tactically, Brian White wasn't a full participant at training yesterday, according to hard journalists. He was riding the bike. Andre Kubes was some light jogging. Atacube was back at training. It was a light training day
1: overall, so uh, I'm not too worried about White from that um, standpoint. Let's see what today brings. I haven't seen any any updates on what today's training looks like, but I, I do think I'm going to bet that a couple of the guys that are a little bit nicked are saved for the for the weekend. Um, the the thing is, the Caps now have depth where guys like Javane Brown are coming off the bench. Like Javane Brown, he's a Jamaican national teamer that has been pretty good for the Whitecaps. They may not have room for the in for him every single night anymore. So when guys like Brown are coming off the bench, um, when guys like VT are coming off the bench, um, you can you can
0: withstand a couple of entries and you're still going to be okay. The Caps actually made the uh, MLS top 10 power rankings in at number 10, one spot below Houston, who fell to number nine. And uh, frankly, I wonder if that's just underrating them a little bit uh junior hoylet the new addition the canadian international he'll be available he's not gonna start
1: he's not gonna start but he'll, he'll get a few minutes uh, by the way speaking of weekly wrap-ups Galled his 10th nomination to team of the week yes you speak about recognition never mind the power rankings mvp is an actual thing i saw you tweet about this i
0: i hope that he gets some due attention across the league.
1: Yeah. Now there's great performances around Luciano Acosta and, and, and others, but I hope, I hope gold is on the tip of everybody's tongue when all is said and done, especially considering he had a slow first couple of months to the season. Like he has Mm -hmm. just been unabashedly one of the top three players in the league. And yes, that includes Messi. I think he's been one of the top three players in the league, um, over the past three months.
0: And, um, It's a full slate of games tomorrow for MLS. And in fact, most of them, I think all but one actually are interconference. So you don't have a lot of that. Oh, rooting for the Eastern team over the Western team. Nashville plays uh, sporting KC, but there are a lot of teams that are in the Caps neighborhood there on the MLS table. That'll be facing off some against each other. So we'll see how everything shakes out. Mm Mm-hmm tomorrow night and on Thursday talk about where the Caps stand after their result, whatever it may be in Houston and all the other goings on in MLS. Seattle Mariners got off the shine. They win in Oakland last night. Brian Wu, the rookie pitcher, a gem against his hometown, Oakland Athletics. And that's an important win for Seattle because, A, it's against a horrible team. And we know that the Jays won two of three in Oakland a couple of weeks back. You got to take advantage of these games, and particularly when your two direct competitors in the AL West lose, which was the case for both Houston and Texas last night. And boy, now Texas is the team that's looking around going, "Uh uh-oh, are we going to be able to right the ship? Seattle and Toronto have taken turns with that mantle here already Rangers and M's now tied for the final wild card spot in the American League with identical records 82 and 68. They're a game and a half back of the Houston Astros for the lead. We talked about the, the wild we talked
1: about the wild schedule of the Jays sweep win, sweep loss, sweep win. Yep. Rangers got that four-game sweep win of the Jays and have lost the next
0: four oh, no, games. I know. Like wild swings. And the Blue Jays start a series at the stadium in the Bronx against the Yankees, who are in the rare position of playing spoiler. Looks, looks good on them. Yes. Uh, I understand the Vancouver Canadians had quite a party at the Roxy. No, on did they? Saturday night. Okay. Well, I mean, they as went the hockey know, bar. it's a classic Vancouver establishment. I'm sure a lot of those players were on their best behavior. Of mm-hmm. course, they often play night games, so I'm sure there were a few who were stepping in there for the first time. And of course, most of them now have dispersed and gone back to their homes. So they uh, left Vancouver on quite a high note with a heck of a with a heck of a party at the Roxy. Congratulations to all of them again. I played golf with Andy Dunn yesterday. He was still beaming from winning another Northwest League championship at the Nat on Saturday night. Let's get into today's menu, and it's brought to you by AG1.
1: And what better peace of mind than knowing, hey, you've done a solid for your body at the start of every day. That's when I drink it. You could drink it any time during the day, of course. But drink AG1.com slash Sakaris and Price. Give it a try,
0: and you'll get a uh, special offer if you do it now. Today on the show, uh, welcome back, coming up here on Training Camp Storylines that I'll be watching. We'll talk with Patrick Johnson, PJ from the Province and Post Media. He was out at the Milford yesterday, had a conversation with J.T. Miller, was able to tell us how Ilya Mikheyev looked. We talk about camp storylines. We talk about this Dollywall report of looking to make a trade. We talk about the pipeline, and including the guys who emerge and a Vancouver beats Edmonton at the young stars classic finale yesterday at Penticton in the Okanagan South Okanagan event center. Uh, We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including some Mia culpas on the Mike Babcock affair. Plus a uh, former, former NBA player and social media star who is pushing to save winning time. The series about the Los Angeles Lakers starring John C. Riley. Wally Buono is going to join. There's a very special auction that's going on right now with Make-A-Wish Canada. An opportunity to watch a game in the stands with the most successful football professional this country has ever produced. And Wally Buono can safely say he has not ever watched a game from the stands at BC Place. He's been in the Lions executive box as a GM and as invited guest. He's, of course, seen plenty of games from the sidelines. But as we know with Wally, Blake, he's going to converse with you. He's going to engage with you. He will. And so that whoever this lucky bidder is, the winning bid, is going to get an opportunity to watch that September 29th game against the Riders with Wally. He would never
1: outwardly question what's happening out on the field, I don't think but i think you would just get some moans perhaps like some oh, oh no well oh, no. I, I mean i think he's going to take
0: <laughs> uh, i think he's going to take this group and and uh, the winner gets two tickets here and and basically t- take them through the, okay third and one from this spot here's what the coach has got to think how's the punter looked how's the push from the offensive line look are you okay turning the ball over in this part of the field is that an absolute no go i would l- like to think he's going to take you through All the strategic decisions that a head coach has to make in 20 seconds, right? If that, Mm -hmm. because the play clock's running. So uh, a fascinating, I think, um, afternoon or evening to watch a game with Wally coming up on September 29th. And the uh, auction bidding is underway. It ends on Sunday. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and very excited to announce the release of Yellow Dog's very first mix pack, Box of Tricks. Choose between the classic Play Dead IPA, the award-winning Rough West Coast IPA, and two brand new beers, Growl Extra Pale Ale and Tug of War New Zealand IPA, hitting the shelves on Tuesday, November 7th. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or workshop spirit.
1: No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca.
0: Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question of ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here, right now. Plenty of storylines at Vancouver Canucks training camp, which begins Thursday in Victoria. Here's what we'll be watching. Number one for me is Ilya Mikheyev. How healthy is he? Will he be participating in full or in a limited capacity? He's eight months off the knee surgery. The big picture is whether he's good to go on opening night on October 11th. Well,
1: and is he himself, or is he still the okay? Is he still the Mikheyev that we saw, mm-hmm. which is? Not quite the. Do you agree with
0: me, though? He's the biggest yeah, storyline so. here. He's the biggest curiosity for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, top six wingers. If McKayf is healthy, I think the group is reasonably set. Mikhail, Bovillier, Besser, Kuzmenko. To me, the questions are who plays with Elias Pedersen and who plays on the JT Miller line. And of course, as we've talked about in the past, Besser kind of demands a particular winger on the other flank. Somebody who's got some speed and defensive acumen, because that's not his game, and that points you to Mikheyev, but also somebody who can play with the puck a little bit. So I think it's Mikheyev and Besser, if I had to guess, with Kuzmenko and Beauvillier, but who knows? And of course, some of that's going to depend on Mikheyev's health. The other parts may well be determined by who the preference is. And and just
1: performance of Garland and and Besser in the preseason as a whole. Do you
0: think Garland has upward mobility if Mikheyev's healthy? He'd have to have a fabulous preseason, but is it impossible? Nope. Top four defense. Now, both these newcomers, Carson Soucy and Ian Cole, can play the right side. So who's it going to be? And will that guy be Quinn Hughes' new partner? I think so. But is it possible they play Hughes with Roenick or start that? As a parent, we'll see. You referenced this already. Nils Hoaglander and Vasily Putkolson. It's make or break time for two young wingers. Both were demoted to the HL last year. And look, they're in tough at this camp. We know Rick Tockett loves him some Phil DiGiuseppe. Dakota Joshua had a really strong finish last year under Tockett. Tanner Pearson's healthy. And Teddy Bluger added in free agency, which could push Nils Amon to the wing, right? So it is a competitive camp for Hoaglander to put Colson. And particularly since you can send either of these guys down without waivers, right? Hoaglander is just shy of the threshold. So we'll see. Are they NHLers out of the chute? Are they AHLers?
1: And they have to make that decision with the big picture in mind on Hoaglander, because the moment they start to
0: use him, right, he does have to And they waivers. also have to make that decision with what we previously talked about, the cap implications. Yeah. Hoagland, Hoaglander's on 1.1 now. It's entirely variable, but if he's on the big club, you've got to account for him. And again, to- it could be a roster shy of 23 because of the cap consideration.
1: If you're going to crown Niels Hoaglander an opening night, you're basically saying to the entire organization and the player, you are a full-time National Hockey right. League player now. Or we don't like you and we don't care if we lose you on
0: waivers, I guess. But that's not the opening night right. sentiment. Backup goaltender, Archer Silos versus Spencer Martin. Now, Silos, of course, coming off that outstanding world championships and Martin coming off a terrible year. Still needs to play. So is he going to shuttle between Abbotsford and Vancouver? And how much can they trust Spencer Martin, if at all? Third pair, left side defense. Long list of contenders. We have mentioned this in the past. Christian Willan and Matt Irwin, the newcomer. Akita Hirose, Guillaume Brisbois, Jack Rathbone. Who emerges? Who's there on opening night in uniform? And then fourth line center. I think you're you're looking at Bluger versus Amon here. Does the loser slide over to the wing, or is that your 13th forward? So that's seven, and there are more storylines, if you so choose, looking at the Vancouver Canucks in season 23-24. That's welcome, Matt, for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email, live at com. You can text 778402-9680, the Great Clips text message inbox, on Twitter, at Matt SecurisandPrice.com. And the welcome mat, a presentation of Great Clips. Your local Great Clips salon is proudly Canadian-owned and operated, and there are 37 of them in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. Care's Price from Wall Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group.
1: Celebrating their 25th anniversary here in the month of September. So uh, this month is getting on. Don't linger. Head down to the Richmond Auto Mall. Maybe check out Applewood Mitsubishi and pick the Outlander for a test drive. You can check out all the fabulous features that I've told you about in my experience with the Outlander already. And uh, all vehicle purchases come with a no-charge maintenance package worth uh, almost $2,500. And if you take one for a test drive, you could
0: win $25,000. So why not check it out? It's all good at Applewood. <laughs> Bodog poll question. Do you trust Rutherford Alvines? Cap management? Yes or no? You can vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And after that amazing comeback win Saturday, the lines are plus 175 to reach the grey cup and of course they got a lot closer to a west division final at bc place with that win in the winnipeg loss so go ahead worth a punts on your bodog line of the day here he is from the province and post media mr patrick johnson how are you
2: i'm great milford yesterday you know yeah. it all feels like it's happening
0: what did you learn at the milford yesterday tell us about your experiences
2: well i'm guessing that i'm not on jt miller's hit list oh because because you got he, time uh, I got time, had a little chat with him, talked about his golf game. And then he says, I mean, he says his golf game gets worse over the summer because he's getting more prepared for the season. And uh, as I noted in the story, he acknowledged it himself. He is now 30. He knows how hard it is to, he has looked and seen the challenge of staying at the top of your game in your 30s. It is a big focus. And, of course, and I mentioned, and, of course, the team has made a big commitment to you. And He goes, obviously.
0: What is that? His game gets worse during the summer. Like, so does he play in because late summer, late summer, late yeah. summer.
2: So he starts like you know. As I noted, course, you know they, they're play, off he, in
0: April, as yeah. we all know. Yeah. So.
2: Yes. Well, and that was his. He made the joke. He said, "Obviously, we would like to have a shorter offseason." So his point is, is that his game was terrible. It's crap. He said. I said it was in the dumps. But he's like he was perfect. He's like that's a good sign. He's, he's I'm like so the spin is that's a good sign. He goes yes, exactly.
0: Well, and I imagine he was still one of the better Canucks there uh, yesterday. I'm sure.
2: He, I without a doubt. I I yeah. I, I know. Like he is without a doubt. The, certainly the most passionate golfer on the team. No shock. And but also the best, because he tried to qualify for the US. Like even
0: trying to qualify
2: (laughs) for the US Open puts you into a tier
0: that is uh above your 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 typical amateur. I I dare any
1: Vancouver Canuck player to like look over and like accuse him of a rule violation during a round and just see what JT Miller's
0: reaction might be. Yeah. So his drive didn't hit any power lines yesterday, Blake. Must (laughs) be replayed for those that missed yesterday. Uh, you saw I don't know listen,
2: listen, yesterday, yesterday, we're
0: moving on. yeah we're moving on
2: <laughs> I saw Ilya Mikhaev walking around is that what you're trying to say yes, yeah yeah I mean no him. shock he's been skating uh I you know I did put in the request and, like, ah, and so I didn't talk to him but I saw him wandering around as far as I know played golf I mean the Russians generally say they're terrible at it they don't even know what they're doing Um, One of the more fun stories I did last year was early on in the year when the team was had their sort of team get together in Vegas and they went golfing. And uh, the analysis on the Kuzmenko putt and swings was quite thrilling.
0: I don't get this, though, because there, there would have been a time in Russian history, the Soviet era, when, of course, golf was a game for the bourgeois, not proletariat. But now, like. You know, like Russia's a very divided society in terms of wealth of the distribution. I would think that the hockey players are playing with the oligarchs. Have you have you ever no, seen no, a no, European no. tour like pro like uh, I've, from I've, Russia? It doesn't uh, honestly, have no I've never. never. I, I can't no. even. I could not name you a single Russian pro golfer if they no. even no. exist in history. Exactly. No, no,
3: I can't.
2: Yeah. See, i I still have I still follow Goldie on Instagram, so I get to see sort of the day. Even though, of course, Instagram's supposed to be banned over there. But Goldie still posts. I mean, they all still post. But Goldie still posts. And Goldie's sort of recreation time—I I believe he got married—seems to involve him going to like amusement parks and a lot of sauna time with the boys. Ah, so not golf, uh, yeah. at, no golf. Yeah. So that—that's my—that's yeah, my extensive research into sort of the the interests of Russian hockey players. I mean, Kuzi likes travel. He told us all that. You know, that's what he does, right? So
1: well, be- before we lose, leave in I mean. What, like, if, what what are your uh, what are your odds on him setting foot on opening day at at camp this week?
2: Well, you know, I think as I noted, when was that, Two weeks ago. Um, you know, I talked to Daniel Steen as well, and and I went back and looked at the course of the conversations. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and look at it, the the surgery was like February second, and even then, they all said him and Alvin said it'll be we expect it'll be eight months for a full recovery. And then someone tagged in, oh, and that means he'll be ready for training camp. And I, I, I'm i actually kind of kicked myself because I didn't fact check that at the time. I just kind of wrote it and didn't think about when eight months actually is. And eight months would be like October 2nd. So, and then I brought this up with Milstein and I noted that I said, listen, eight months, as you guys said, would actually be, and he goes, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think, you know, basically, yeah, there's two games in preseason after that. I think their feeling is, it's more important to be, you know, playing in the season than be playing. In tra- I, mean, I guess, but uh, it, we have seen enough. And Quinn Hughes, for instance, brought it up yesterday, being ready to go at training camp is way better than being ready to go at some point during the season, right? Like Quinn Quinn noted, he said, listen, in the end, I had to change the way I prepare because I got hurt two years in a row and I wasn't good for the first 10, 12 games of the season. And the team was terrible. And he felt that, you know, I mean, he is the captain, obviously, but even as a player, then he you know he felt that he wasn't contributing he you know in the moment was denying but in hindsight he said yes I wasn't at my best and it was because I in the end my preparation I had I need to find a new way to prepare for this
1: if he's five to seven days behind I I think you're going to be okay I think you get a lot of practice time you get a couple of preseason games in I I think that's okay but if he misses the entirety of the preseason yeah you are immediately on your heels now to start the season for at least for that player and and he's an important player in that he's again the only guy on the team with back you up speed I think really So, so it's it's an important
2: player yeah and and that was a comment our uh, our friend Cam ron now with pittsburgh penguins but last year a free agent and able to talk media types mm-hmm. you know that was something he noted as someone who had watched Ilya Mikheyev for his entire nhl career to that point uh in toronto and he said you just never saw him use his wheels the way he would use them in toronto and he, that's why he's like i he's not 100 he called it yeah. very early on and, yeah, so that the point is, you know, obviously coming back from an ACL injury and, we, you know, we ne- we have the history from almost 30 year, years ago with Pavel Bure and it took him a whole season really to get back to himself. Uh, hopefully because rehab and surgery and everything's more advanced than it was then, um, it won't be like that. But, yeah, he's going to have to, you know, it, it it is a long way to come back from where he started.
0: Is uh, Mikheyev your number one camp storyline or
2: are you looking at other? Um. You know, I had it, now that you put it to me. Yeah, I actually I think so because the you lot you do the lines, and I was sort of thinking about this the other day, trying to think about okay, what are these lineups doing? The lineup, how do you get to your you know? Can you get to a, a, a roster on opening night that uh, doesn't have you in LTIR? Because ideally, that's what you'd like to be. Um, or at least at the very max, right? Like the maximum so that whatever you do, you're going to shuffle all of Tucker Pullman or, you know, there are different things to consider. I mean, you would like to start the season not in LTIR, so you can start accruing some money because you believe you're going to be a playoff team and maybe you can add some wiggle room as the season goes along. Obviously, this (coughs) wouldn't involve trading Tyler Myers and getting rid of at least half his cap hit. Uh, But, yeah, to me, you're right. Mikheyev, you know, that because he sets all the lines. There's all these other choices they'll have to make. If he's not ready to go, then, you know, hello, Niels Hoglander, Hello, vasily Coleson. Those two, are, I think, are my second uh, storyline, looking at it, whether one or both. I mean, I assume one will make the team, but is there a role for both? Uh, where where are their games at? How are they going to be used?
1: Could Aiden McDonough supplant one of those two guys?
2: Well. Long shot, but is it possible? <sighs> I, I don't think it's impossible. I think the fact that Hoaglander, I mean, Hoaglander isn't like an a elite fast skater, but the way he plays mm-hmm. is a is a quick, aggressive game, which is not McDonough's forte. McDonough's great in the corners, he's great board on the boards, great hands around the net, um, and certainly a bigger body than Hoaglander. And, and so you can see what kind of player, at minimum, the Canucks think he'll be in the NHL. Uh, but Hoaglander is a different player and it's that tenacious forecheck that we saw, I I think, as I said, in April, in, in the Calder Cup playoffs, like he was pretty much the best player on the ice and he was very focused in on what he had to do, which was get on the puck, cause trouble, and then essentially make some smart plays with the puck and, and help his teammates find goals. Um. So, you know, can he translate that back in the, in, into the NHL and be a bit more like the player we thought maybe he was progressing towards when he was a rookie? Uh, and then Pud Colson, obviously. I mean, he, the the talent level, we know. Um, can he put together, can he be a consistent player? Um, and and so can he fi- force his way into a role, uh, a full-time role in, in this training camp? That's, I think, my second one. And then the third one is just how the defense core shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who is going to play with Quinn Hughes, uh like i already mentioned myers you know is myers gonna stay is he here um and uh, you know who how do you sort of shake out the bottom end of the order of of you know who's your seventh eighth defenseman who you're gonna have to waive what happens with jet woo jet woo needs waivers you know um it's a big pile of interesting sort of roster management questions i think
0: uh, if I had to ask you of the four young stars who played NHL games last year, Hiroshi McWard, McDonough, Ratu, who's going to play the most NHL right. games this year? Your answer would be,
2: um, I think it's Hiroshi. Agree. Yeah, I think Ratu. I mean, the, do you think thing he's got Ratu... a shot
0: to be in the opening night lineup, or is that a bridge too far for you?
2: I think it's a bridge too far. Okay. I think it, you, you just look at how the 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 um, the center position shakes out. The money that's committed to guys. I mean, I think he could easily overhaul Neil's Omen, but is or who would you rather have as your thirteen forward right now? You know, do you want Ratu just playing in the AHL and being primed and get ready Probably, to go, yeah. or do you want Omen as your guy who's here? Yeah, you know, rattling around, yeah. 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 rattling exactly. Rattling around is a great, great expression for that. Um, so yeah, if you were just going on pure sort of ability, you know, certainly there's a way for him to fight, push his way over Omen, but I don't, I don't think that makes sense in terms of how you actually. Also, when you consider
1: who's on opening West. night, McDavid backing up Hirose and stuff like probably. Well, that too. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean there's good guys every night but that's Yeah, I don't the I don't, I don't
2: think Hirose I don't think Hirose because there's also there's a bit of the waiver's element. I think they're you know not that they're necessarily terrified of losing these guys but you know there is a reason he he could blow our socks off and be like listen I I took huge strides over the summer and and i'm gonna i have forced my way into the conversation i'm gonna be the left side defenseman on third pairing that could absolutely happen um i just i'm just i'm not sure just given the sort of additional transitions you need to make from college hockey you know he had a good run at the end of the year but like there's just it's the lessons from i think our the previous regime was you know the don't rush your guys. And these guys, the current regime does not seem inclined to rush their guys that they really want to give them some time in the HL. And, you know, McWard is exactly that. I think McDonough is exactly that. Uh, So, so Ratu is close. And so is Hirose. But I think they, you know, like I said, with Ratu, Ratu, I think it makes more sense to start the season down in atmosphere. And I think Hirose just on sort of sake of numbers, uh, unless he does something astounding.
0: Yeah, we'll um, as for Connor McDavid, whether it's Akita Hirose or Christian oh. Willan or yeah. Matt Irwin or yeah. Guillaume Breesbaugh or Jack Rathma, you don't have a lot of great options.
2: There. No, so let's, no. I mean, Matt Irwin, let's be clear. You and, know, like if you know, Matt Irwin plays sixth with your
0: yeah. third pair, yeah. you've yeah. got a problem yeah. no matter who is manning that third to- pair. Totally true. And yeah. In fact, that may be true of 31 teams around the NHL, yeah. that if your
1: third pair is on the ice with 97, watch out. But but we do know that coaches love to default to veterans on opening night. Oh yeah, well, that's right? what they I mean, love right? That. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Knows how to play. You know, like Matt Irwin played sixty games with the Capitals last year. I, you know, in talking to Matt Irwin, I don't think he signed here expecting to play sixty games in NHL. But you know, I think he he sees himself in that seven eight role where he's going to play forty games, and and you know, he's a guy that's reliable and steady and is a good 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 character and good attitude and if he finds himself
1: on the ice with Connor mcdavid i don't think he advances past center uh, no. <laughs> on that particular. but no show. one does but no, no one does he,
0: he may just go and be a second goal yes yes, yes, yes. Yeah. just get your physical yeah. matter yeah. in front of the scoring yeah, zone. you can't exactly. turn the corner if i'm already around the corner <laughs> exactly. right exactly. i'm just gonna go yeah. over here and yeah, yeah, help yeah, yeah. thatcher yeah, yeah, archers yeah. out yeah uh, what do you make of the Dollywall report? They're aggressively pursuing a trade to shed cap
2: space. I mean, that's no shock to me. I mean, I've heard that they've been aggressively pursuing trades, you know, since last Christmas, um, and they did make some. Uh, I still, like I said, I think they 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 had another one that they were trying to make work, and I don't think it happened. I mean, obviously, it didn't happen.
1: Uh, but there's you know. only like three candidates. Are
2: you talking
0: to the JT Miller Pittsburgh trade?
2: Uh, no, like I mean, I wow. sort of, I think there was. I think there were efforts with the Rangers, Um, but I think it involved whatever happened or or was, was meant to happen with Pittsburgh. And obviously that got, I presumably got shut down just because of ownership.
1: But there's only three candidates, right guys? I mean, like, like you're only going to be looking at guys that can significantly help your cap situation. And to me, that's only Garland Bovillier and Myers, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah. Bovillier is, by the way, that's he's He's an interesting one. Like I, I just, I, his name never springs to mind. I suppose I could have asked for him yesterday. Um,
1: he's a forgotten he's man. He's a bit right of a now. forgotten Pearson man. Pearson would be the uh, Pearson, Pearson but the I think,
2: player. I mean, I, 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 just don't see I just don't see it. Given the circumstances. And like I said, I think if, you, if, if there's any roster move that's likely, I think it could be that he ends up in Havisford to start the year just so that you can buy yep. yourself a million dollars in cap space and to see if he can play. Um, but I'm not, you know, I've still, you can build a roster without doing that. That's the other thing is that there are ways to make these things work, but something has to happen. Uh, I, I, and so whether that, yeah, sure. I mean, they've been trying to trade Tyler Myers for a year and a half. Um, yeah, sure. You're trying to make something happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if they make something happen. Is it going to be the best value trade? Probably not at this point because it's this is a buyer's market at this time of year in general teams are trying to f- get rid of players that they can't fit another cap you know and they're dealing with problems of their own making a lot of the time um so yeah i i was not surprised to see rick say that and uh i i will i'm, I'm not exactly holding my breath for something imminent either
1: a myers trade would be done if it was going to be done, wouldn't it? I mean, they, they've had weeks and months to talk about it with somebody else and knowing the circumstances would change in September the 15th. And if it's not then now, I, I don't know why it would.
2: I mean, I suppose there's things like, well, we really need to see if so-and-so really is ready to go. You know, he's our plan. He's a plan B for somebody, yeah. I suppose. But yeah, you're right. Like he's a million dollar salary for the season now, right? Like like mm-hmm. he's not, he brings a cap hit. If your team that cares what cap hit, in in one way or another there's still the question there um
1: trade protection which messes it up
2: a little bit yeah exactly and uh but you know he can you you retain half the salary you cleared half you know you probably do a lot just in that alone increasing his value um Mm -hmm. you know i was talking to a couple of people that say yeah like there is a way to trade myers like there is absolutely no doubt that people out there would be intrigued, for instance, if he were a three $3 million cap
1: hit versus the same. But you may be less of a team. Like, he is a, he is an initial defense. Yeah, that's the stuff, thing. So that's the yeah,
2: thing. I yeah. think, uh, you know, I don't... The fact that they're trying to move him, I think, is a statement about both the cap reality and, you know, how they rank him in the hierarchy of the players they have. And uh, he's a player that, at the end of the day, they clearly have estimated they can do without uh, if, if, if they were able to trade him. So... um and that's I mean, that is the reality of managing any roster at any any time in hockey history. It's not about cap at that point. It's like what does this player bring to the table? And um you know, he's been a good defender on the rush. He's struggled often. He had a rough, terrible year last year for the most part, defending in zone. Um and he doesn't his he once had offensive game and that that to me is that the thing that sort of most stands out is that there's just no there's no real sort of uh, – there's no oomph to his offense anymore, which is – No, which
0: and, and you wonder if some of the interested teams in Myers are teams that he can block a trade to. Well, but that's maybe. it. Lastly, yeah. And yeah. Ver- yeah. lastly and very uh, quickly, uh, Mr. Ferrar- Ferraro was part of the uh, yeah. broadcast group going forward. We got that announcement from the Canucks. Yeah,
2: a, a select – games i mean i mean i think that you know i think we'd all heard a ratio something like 80 20 you know that he'll be in sort of 20 percent of the games so that work around his national espn schedule i imagine a lot of home, you know home games that's um
0: right. well i i don't believe he can do the national rogers sorry
2: games. i meant no working yeah. around the espn national right. games that's what his schedule is. and the rogers national right. games right. right exactly yes yeah. so, yeah. so there's yeah. a couple yeah. Yeah. of work he'll do regional games yep. at home um yeah You know, so there's, what, 20%, you know, like that means, what, 15 home games Mm -hmm. or something.
1: And I think Um, it's earlier rather than later probably too because his schedule generally picks up
0: in the second half of the season too. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Marvelous stuff, Patrick. Thank you for this. Until next Tuesday.
2: Absolutely, boys. See you later.
0: This is Price from Wall Center presentation, Apple at Auto Group. Hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter.com brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. And when you contact Jason of Jason.Mortgage, you actually contact Jason personally. There's no middleman or staffer taking your call, responding to your email. It's Jason himself with the best advice on mortgages. Get that personal touch from someone who works for you and not the bank. Find him at Jason. Dom
1: mortgage uh, at Nathan Gravite. According to Brent Wallace, I'm coming in hot sands. Peter Chiarelli will be joining the Ottawa Senators. Qu- quote, we all know what? he has close ties to Michael and I think you're going to see Peter Chiarelli a part of this organization. End quote.
0: Well, he's already been a part of that yes. organization. In fact, he cut his chops there. And that's when he probably did his best work as an assistant general manager. I mean, he wins the Stanley Cup in Boston. Fair game there. But, yeah, and uh, he's a local guy and all that, but we'll see. I uh, I didn't suspect we would see another, uh, and it doesn't specify GM, right? No, no. After I, the I end, don't, Edmonton. No, uh, it won't be GM. They, I think no. they're happy with their GM right now. Well, I'm not sure they are happy with their GM. No? Right? Well, I, I mean, it's... all the rumors were that Andlauer had his own guy. For GM? Yeah, and head coach. Like, ah, really? I I I think at the end of last year, everyone was expecting Dorian and DJ Smith would be gone. It was just about really you know, when the new owner would take over and affect the co- timing. As yeah. as it turns yeah. out, the sale and the close dragged to the point where you got to the eve of training camp here. And
1: I mean, I I, uh, I don't think Dorian walks on water, but I I think there's a no. direction that is visible oh, from that for team. Sure. You know, for like sure. there's
0: for sure seems to be a plan, right? So, and, and you can argue he got a little bit, a bit aggressive trying to push the timeline with the Debrinket trade, but there's still young guys there mm-hmm. Brady,
1: Stutzla, Batherson, Sanderson. there's, there's, and we love the Chickren trade, right? Like
0: all things considered. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And he's not a young guy or not an old guy either. So, mm-hmm.
0: uh, following up on this Mike Babcock story, mm. there were a couple of people least that I saw, who drew pretty hard lines in the sand saying it's Babcock and Boone Jenner versus Paul Biznasty uh, word. One was former Canucks executive Rachel Dory. Add Rachel Dory, I'll wear it. I was wrong on Babcock. Good on Biz for speaking up. I hope he carries that same energy to other parts of toxic hockey culture because he can have a positive impact. The other, our buddy Darren Drager. Add Darren Drager. Yep, Biznasty deserves the full stick tap. On this one. Good on them both. Yeah.
1: And I I think (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if we start to hear a few little nuggets squeeze out about, you know, some more details about what this actually looked like. What do you mean? Just about like those little yarns about what these interactions were exactly entailing. Gotcha. What do you think of
0: it? Meant? Well, I just I couldn't help but notice the phrasing there in, in a spinning chicklets <laughs> discussion. Yeah, Squeeze out some nuggets. Huh? Yeah. All right. Yeah.
1: Sometimes that happens. Your turn. You got to squeeze out a nugget or two. Uh, at Joe Pompliano, the XFL and USFL. Are in advanced talk? No, no, just listen out, folks. Don't turn off the podcast. <laughs> the XFL and USFL are in advanced talks to merge, according to Axios. The deal would be completed before the 2024 season, creating one alternative football league to the really? NFL. As a reminder, each league averaged wow. about 600,000 viewers in 2023, and the XFL lost 60 million dollars. But I don't think wow. you can do that. You don't. You, don't that. you can't do that math. You can't say they each average 600 grand, so we're going to have 1.2 million yeah. watching these games. It doesn't work no, like that. No.
0: No, no, no.
1: A lot of those will probably be just anti NFL no, guys. That I don't watch was, them both. I
0: think there was overlap amongst them yeah. as well from just absolute football hardcores. Look, XFL, USFL, you haven't centralized the best players because there's that NFL thing. So getting together in a merger still does not centralize the best players. Like through two weeks of the NFL season, it's clear to me already as it is pretty much every year there are not 32 quarterbacks walking this planet that drive entertainment value in the 11-man game and as we're also seeing
1: the 11-man game chews up running backs like there's nobody's business and you know you just you're not going to get the wow factor
0: that, yep. you, that you get from the other league one of the reasons the cfl has succeeded it's a little more forgiving for the quarterback there are bigger throwing windows there's more space out there so it creates a more wide open game in 11 man football with the size speed and length of defense uh, of defensive players right now like watch bryce young well the cfl yeah, and it's not a, he doesn't exactly have a great line or supporting cast or anything like that but Kid's taking his lumps through two weeks, and he's taking his lumps because it is a really, really hard position to play.
1: CFL also attracts a different player. If you're an undersized mm-hmm. slot back That's or scatback, you're it. gonna you're gonna think the is yeah. for you,
0: right? So XFL, USFL playing on uh playing on that small field, you know, with access to quarterbacks, what, seventy through one hundred yeah. in the world. It's just not going to be an aesthetically pleasing game. And and by merging, does the quality of
1: your football rise by three quarters of a point? Maybe, maybe, but but that's still not enough to, I
0: don't think, bring in the masses. Yeah, And the original USFL was the only one that succeeded to a degree because they had great players. They had some world-class players. They had Steve Young. They had Doug Flutie. They had Herschel Walker and Reggie White and Anthony Carter. Like, it was stud upon stud upon stud in that league. This league, not so much. I mean, it's guys hoping to make NFL practice rosters and special teams. Mm -hmm. At Rex Chapman, we haven't gone to Rex in a while. No. Save Winning Time. Sign the petition, please. Did you catch any of Winning Time: The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty? You know what? I haven't. I got admonished. I
1: got admonished by Alan Chris Manson for not. For not.
0: Yes, and good on Alf. Good admonishment. But I've also read some scathing indictments of the show too. When I turned it on, and I probably should have known because you know John C. Riley is the lead. He's here. so good, yes. But when I turned it on, I thought it was going to be a semi serious portrayal of the nineteen eighties Lakers dynasty. And it's a satire. What yeah. I got was a satire, somewhat comedic, somewhat campy. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of the people versus O.J. Simpson, if right. you remember that. The campy like really over retelling. the top. Yeah. And so John C. Riley is Lakers owner Jerry Buss, who, by the way, was almost perfect. Like, I mean, they almost had him perfectly yeah. look like Buss. Like, Jared, the Jerry West portrayal is over the top. And West is pissed off about it. Yeah, sure. Well, Jerry West, I think, just gets pissed off. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. What is it with that era of NBA guys, too? It seems like they were all just so angry.
1: Well, I, th- I think they um, want to be
0: recognized as pioneers, not as okay. satirical. Targets. You know, it, it, it's over the top with Paul Westhead, the head coach played by Jason Siegel. It's over the top with Pat Riley played by Adrian Brody. And as someone said on Twitter, now that it's canceled, we'll never get to see A- Adrian Brody in the full slick back. Pat yeah, I know that's 1980s too bad. And, LA and you could Boston. tell they were prepping him for so it. HBO canceled the series after two seasons mere hours or minutes After the second season finale on Sunday night, co-creator Max Bornstein on Twitter, quote, not the ending we had in mind, but nothing but gratitude and love. And, And people are upset because it doesn't run through the entire 80s dynasty of the Lakers up to and including, you know, the battles with the Detroit Pistons at the end of the decade. Yeah. I mean, it barely gets to Larry Bird and and, and the battles with the Celtics, let alone running it through, of course, Magic's famous HIV press conference and everything that followed. So Rex Chapman in the basketball community who liked this show, and I got to admit, I liked it, too. at, At first, I was like, oh, this isn't what I'm expecting. This is a little much. But then I just sort of got into it. I submitted to the campiness, if yeah, to you the will, tone of yeah. everything. Yeah, I, I, I should probably give it a chance, but now it's a
1: little bit of a buzzkill knowing that it's already toast. Mm-hmm. They, uh, You know, you talk about the knee-jerk cancellation. It was a knee-jerk extension, too. Like, they, I think they gave it season two green light after episode two aired. Like, they just saw the initial buzz about it and yeah. were like, give them a second oh, season.
0: And the initial buzz was yeah. pretty good. And, and I think a lot of people... Coming to the defense of Jerry West or complaining about the portrayals of yes. some, including Jerry West, and Kareem's, probably helped the boss. Kareem's
1: pissed about it. Uh, Magic too. So yeah, again, like Kareem, yeah, yeah, he's a guy that's done sat- satire movies. Like he, uh, he was the pilot on Airplane. Exactly. exactly. You know what making fun of yourself looks like. Come on. Um, are you done? I am. We we are normally an escaped animal show. Mm. This is where you find out about llamas yes. on the loose. Yes. Emus and the like. Right. This is different. At Flight Radar 24, the U.S. military is searching for a missing F 35B in South Carolina after the pilot ejected yesterday and the jet kept flying. If you have seen an F 35 in the woods, please contact the U.S. Marines. This is not satire. This actually happened and they couldn't find the darn thing until later in the day. Personnel from Joint Base Charleston and Beaufort SC in close coordination with local authorities have located a debris field in Williamsburg County.
0: The debris was discovered two hours northeast of Charleston. Yeah. There's actually video of the pilot ejecting on social. It's kind of terrifying. Something happens to the the aircraft, you can see, and then the next thing you know, pop, something comes out the roof. Well...
1: To combine all of these storylines and our favorite things, did you see last week the orangutan in the zoo in Perth, Australia? No. He uh, I can only
0: imagine.
1: Apparently, they've been having a problem with uh, possums. Possums like to build nests at, at height, uh-huh. and they've got this big tower for the orangutans in the middle of their habitat, and the possums try to nest in there. Only the orangutans are having none, none no, of no, it. No, no, I couldn't and imagine so. And so the orangutan was chasing this possum around. It went back up to the nest in the tower. The orangutan climbed up there in three seconds, reached in, and threw a Dan Marino-like spiral of the possum into a habitat like two over. And all on video, you can see this possum flying through the air, courtesy of the
0: orangutan. Okay, I have homework to do. As yes. you say, orangutan possum. <laughs> awesome. it's a lot. That's hashtags for today. Well, our next guest has seen just about everything one can see in the Canadian football league from his perch on the sidelines. Uh, But he's never watched a game from the stands. And I know that he's never seen the BC lions come back from 19 points in the fourth quarter, because that was a franchise. Mm -hmm record on Saturday. he would never let
1: them get that far behind I guess, right? no <laughs> well, the teams did not trail
0: by 19 points in the fourth quarter and the former general manager and coach the cfl hall of famer joins us here today hi wally how are you
3: oh i'm good and appreciate you having me on the show and uh you know what i, I watched that game from uh we're here in seattle watching the grandkids for a couple of days and uh you got to give a lot of kudos to the lions and uh you know, uh, scoring three touchdowns in less than uh, two and a half minutes was uh, was very exciting.
0: Well, that's, that's the CFL. That's that's why we love it. That's it, it huh? Right? Like, that's why we love <laughs> this league is because the rules allow for that sort of come- comeback in that amount of time. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of crazy ones in your career. Oh,
3: I, I've had that happen to me once or twice, and I think we did it once or twice. But uh, as you say, uh, you know, this is the CFL. It's uh, a very, very exciting you know why would you think a missed field goal would be one of the most exciting plays of the game? Huh? When a guy goes 120 yards, changes the whole complexion of things.
0: And we were talking yesterday, Wally. From time to time, I get frustrated when, like, the goalposts run interference on a defender in the end zone, or a quarterback hits it with a throw, and I go, <laughs> "Gosh, they really ought to put that at the back of the end zone now. Get it out of the way. I'm sure you can make a safety argument there as well." And then you see a weekend like this with two missed field goal returns for touchdowns, and you go, no, we want to leave that play. We want to leave that play in the league.
3: Our, our kicking game is uh, a thousand times way more exciting than the NFL. They have done a lot to keep the ball in bounds, which they should, and you got to return the football. Because uh, that is as a, an exciting play as there is in professional football.
1: I saw some feedback this past week, Wally, about kickoffs in the NFL. Like they're just pointless. Like they do, <laughs> there's just no play there at all. It's a, it's a formality, if anything else. And and these kicking places, you say in the CFL, they they actually mean something. There's an entertainment value there. And and at the same time, I don't think it feels as dangerous as the smaller field, when you, the odd return that you do see in the NFL, it seems dangerous, it doesn't seem quite as dangerous in the CFL.
3: Well, you know what, I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, they, they've eliminated a lot of the things that make it dangerous, you can't cut anymore, you can't blindside hitting anymore, you can't double team and wedge anymore, you know, so a, a lot of the stuff is, uh, you know, is not part of but, you know, nothing more exciting in football than a great kick return, whether it's the NFL or the CFL.
0: Well, and we got some big games coming up at BC Place later in the month and early next month. The 29th game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is also the Orange Shirt Day game. And as well, that October 6th game against Winnipeg. But we're having you on today, Wally, because your daughter, Christy, is the chapter director for the BC and Yukon Make-A-Wish Foundation Canada and there is a very interesting auction and prize going on this week to watch a game with you. And you're saying you have never watched a football game from the
3: stands. Not, uh, not at BC place. And, uh, uh, I can't remember ever watching a, a game uh, as a professional. Uh, uh, you know, I watch it uh, usually from the uh, BC line box. They've been very good to me. And, uh, Uh, when I was a GM, I watched it from a box, uh, or on the sidelines. I've never been up in the press box and, you know, so being in the stands is something that I was uh, told uh, that I should stay away from, but now because of this, uh, we're going to try it.
0: (laughs) All right. So, uh, where can people enter this auction to watch the game with you?
3: Well, again, I, I'm not exactly sure of all the, uh, uh, technical stuff, but, uh, from my understanding, uh, there's two ways you can uh, you can donate at uh, makeawish.ca slash Wally, or That's you it. can get it, it on the bidding, and uh, the highest bidder uh, gets to sit with Christy and I, and we can uh, talk about the game, do the pregame sideline stuff where you watch all the uh, athletes warm up, and then, you know, they get a couple of uh, nice... Uh, uh, jerseys and, uh, you know, those kind of things just to make it a very special time. I know
1: you're health conscious now, but nachos, uh, hot dog, you think you'll imbibe like a fan eh, when you're in the stands?
3: Well, as long as I'm not with my wife, I can do all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, so she's not going to be with me. So, you know, what she doesn't know won't hurt her. But, uh... When you go to a football game, uh, we, you got to have a hot dog and you got to have nachos and uh, whatever beverage you like.
0: Good man, good man. <laughs> so there it is. It's get wild with Wally yes, at yeah. the September 29th game against the Riders. So, Coach, like, how do you see this going down? Are you going to like just take your cues from the winner, or are you going to be there explaining everything that we as fans don't necessarily see or understand? Well, a couple
3: of things. One, you know, all the money that's raised that goes to Make-A-Wish, I want to make sure that's clear, right? Yes, sir. Okay, because uh, these are uh, uh, great things that are doing for these families and these kids. As far as the the experience, it's just, hey, let's go watch a game together and uh, you have any questions, you have any things that you don't understand, you you want some insights. Uh, you know, all those things like, like watching a game on TV. My wife says I'm a way better coach than I used to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is the September 29th game against the Riders. Uh, the winning bid is going to get two tickets, two sideline passes, two signed Wally Bono jerseys. A hundred percent of the proceeds are going to the support of make a wish foundation Canada. There are 600 kids in BC on the wait list. There are 4,000 across Canada waiting for their wish. www.makeawish.ca slash Wally. And you have until Sunday night, this Sunday, September 24th, to get your bids in. But, you know, here's the thing. Make-A-Wish could use your support with or without the bidding here. So if you can find it in your heart. And Wally, I know uh, you've talked openly about your childhood in the past and what was lacking And I know you're a big supporter of Make-A-Wish and helping kids out. Uh, So thank you for all you continue to do in our community. Well, appreciate
3: it. And, uh, yeah, I know since Christy's gotten involved, uh, we've done a number of things. Uh, We've been to uh, the interior. went to Kelowna to hand out a wish and be part of a a big dinner that raised well over $40,000. I'm going to my son's restaurant on Sunday the 24th because he's hosting – Uh, A a dinner for Make-A-Wish Foundation, you know, just little things to get the community involved because, uh, you know, these kids and these families, this does so much to help them to deal with what they're going through.
0: And that's Buono Wisteria in uh, Gibson's, right on the water. It's uh, such a popular spot. I couldn't get a table last oh, time I was. You, you didn't pull <laughs> the. You, no, you, you, didn't I the, I, you don't I know did, who I, I am. Did, no, 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 I did not reach out to Chris. And Matt,
3: you can't. Don't drop my name because for sure you won't get a table.
0: <laughs> 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 okay, just make sure you don't second guess Coach Campbell with this fan and the winning bid against the Riders, right? Because that could create news.
3: Oh no no! I I I never I never I never second guess the coaches. You know why? Because um, on that sideline, you got to make that decision. You got to make it quick, and you know the game sometimes determines what you do. So uh, you know everybody has to make up uh, what they do, and they got to live by it.
0: Great hearing your voice again, Coach. Thanks for the time. All the best. Thanks, Wally.
3: Again, thank you very much, guys, for doing this. I appreciate it.
0: More than welcome, sir. Garrison price from wall center a presentation output auto group you can text us seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. 402 9680 with great clips text message inbox great clips it's going to be great errors and omissions from yesterday i forgot the uh panarin brandon sod trade was a feather in yarmo kekalainen's cap not uh, not the other way around sod was traded so quickly there a couple of times got confused didn't he go, didn't he go back and forth from chicago well yeah he he Chicago traded him. Yeah. And then you'll remember the famous story. Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane went to Stan Bowman and said, hey. We need him back. We need him back. Like, we like yeah. his profile, blah, blah, blah. And Sure enough, Bowman obliged and, and reacquired him at the cost of or Temi Panarin, who was coming off a pretty good <laughs> rookie year. Uh, let's get to your Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds, so you like what you got. At this point, why do you bet against Brian
1: White of the Whitecaps? Uh, he's on a heater. He and Ryan Gall just can't be stopped. He's plus 220. He's an anytime goal scorer tomorrow against Houston.
0: On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and rank wide wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta. TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.